This is KSL's Religion Today, a weekly look at religion and spirituality here at home and around the world. Now, here's your host, Martin Tanner, on KSL News Radio. Welcome. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. Before we jump into this week's topic, I wanted to announce that the International Association for Near-Death Studies is having a special event here in Utah this coming Friday, which is June 23rd at 7 p.m. Everyone is invited who has interest. It's free and open to the public. Again, this Friday, June 23rd at 7 p.m. It'll take about an hour, an hour and a half. The speaker is a young lady named Emily Spear, who, while giving birth to a child of hers, died briefly while in the hospital and had a remarkable experience, a near-death experience. The thing that was remarkable about it is that it accords in so many ways with general Christian doctrine, but also with LDS doctrine. She met with our Savior, who gave her information and help to understand the idea of redemption and the idea of forgiveness. There's nothing brand new doctrinally extraordinary. It's, it's, it's nothing like that. It's just a very wonderful experience of someone hearing those precepts in an amazing way from the lips of our Savior himself. I hope you'll join us this Friday, June 23rd, 7 p.m. The address is 2001 South State Street in Salt Lake City. It's at the county building on the northeast corner of State Street. So we hope to see you there. If you come because of this announcement, uh, I will be there. Come find me. I, I would love to meet you there. And I will announce this again during the second part of our show, if you want to get a pen, if you couldn't find all the information. All right. This program is devoted to the idea of baptism for the dead. Baptism for the dead is something believed by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that is known in very few other churches. Might be surprised to some to hear that it is known in some. It is the church's belief and teaching that deceased persons, people who have died, who have not accepted or had the opportunity to fully accept the gospel of Jesus Christ in this life, will have that opportunity in the afterlife. The belief is that because we all must have the opportunity to hear the message of Jesus and to follow it. To do that, people need to hear and receive all the ordinances of the gospel that a living person would. And for this reason, members of the church are encouraged to research genealogy, family history. This research is then used as the basis for the church performing temple ordinances vicariously for those who have become deceased. This is all based on 
well, I shouldn't say it's all based on. It's based on modern revelation, but scripturally, it was originally based on 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 29. Otherwise, what shall they do who are being baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are they then being baptized for the dead? Close quote. This verse is fascinating because other denominations which don't have baptism for the dead just twist and turn and try to contort this to be something negative that Paul said about baptism for the dead. But it's not negative at all. Paul uses this verse, this idea of vicarious baptism, performed on behalf of the dead to prove or to give evidence for the notion, for the idea, for the belief of resurrection. He would never do that by using, as an example, something he did not believe in. If you take a look at the Tyndale Bible Dictionary, it says that Paul probably did not approve of the practice, (laughs) but... More honestly, the Catholic New American Bible says, quote, Paul cites baptism for the dead as something in early Christian experience that assists in one or more ways and attests to the belief in the resurrection, close quote. I find that a great quote. So what do we know about Paul's belief about it. Not much, but we do know that he approved of the practice. He was talking about it in 1 Corinthians to tell people about the reality of the resurrection. In early Christianity, we know that it happened not just because of 1 Corinthians, but because of some other references as well. We have early Christian groups who we know practiced it. There were quite a number of them. As a matter of fact, LDS theologian John Tvetinus believes that it was practiced in the main Christian churches through about the 8th century. In 2 Maccabees, which is part of the Apocrypha, which was part of the Bible until the Reformation and the time of Martin Luther. In 2 Maccabees, chapter 12, verses 39 through 46, Judas Maccabeus, taking into account the idea of the resurrection, makes atonement for his comrades. Now, this is a little bit veiled discussion, but this was actually the very practice that must have been in this early church, pre-Christian church, the idea that there is vicarious ordination that could happen for those who have passed away. This was all brought about in great display before the early Christians um, in this dispensation when Professor John Eck debated in Leipzig with Martin Luther. That debate did not particularly go well for Martin Luther, and it's because of that that, at least in part, 
Protestant Bibles of today no longer have the Apocrypha in it because they included references, veiled references, to the uh, vicarious baptisms and vicarious ordinances of others. Another fascinating figure that is a non-Latter-day Saint who was a great advocate for this practice being genuine and real in early Christianity was Christer Stendhal. Many of you will not have heard of Christer Stendhal. He passed away in 2008. But he was a Swedish theologian and a New Testament scholar. To show you his, his credentials, he was professor and then later dean of the Harvard Divinity School. In 1984, he was chosen to be head of the Lutheran Church in Sweden. His official title was Church of Sweden Bishop of Stockholm. He was an expert on the Apostle Paul. He wrote an amazing book, still considered to be one of the best on the subject of the Apostle Paul, a book called Quote, Paul Among the Jews and Gentiles, close quote. Great book, not easy to find anymore. It's out of print, but it is terrific. So Christer Stendhal acknowledged that vicarious baptism for the dead happened and that 1 Corinthians describes it and demonstrates that it was around in the early Christian church and accepted so well that it became part of one of Paul's letters. It's, it's an amazing statement. Stay tuned. We'll be right back for more after this short break. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Religion Today with host Martin Tanner continues on KSL News Radio. And we're back. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. And as promised during our last segment, the International Association of Near Death, Near Death Studies, the Utah Division, uh, invites everyone to join us free and open to the public for a wonderful uh, and marvelous near-death experience that was had by one young lady named Emily Spear when she had complications in childbirth of her first child. She will be flying in from Colorado, from the Denver area, and will speak this coming Friday, June 23rd at 7 p.m. Again, this is free and open to the public, any denomination. This is not a dom- denominational a pronouncement. As a matter of fact, Emily is, is not a Latter-day Saint, although much she says will certainly ring true for Latter-day Saints and will reinforce your ideas. She, in her near-death experience, actually met and spoke with Jesus, who taught her many precepts about the idea of forgiveness. It's a, it's a wonderful thing, and about redemption. It's going to be at 7 p.m., take about an hour, an hour and a half tops. The address will be 2001 South State Street in Salt Lake City, 2001 South State Street in Salt Lake City. And this is the 
County Complex. Beautiful location, the Mayor Council Auditorium, so it's it's a wonderful um, place. If you have any questions about this, give me an email, send me an email, and I'll be happy to give you more details. My email address is martinstanner at gmail.com, martinstanner at gmail.com. All right, back to baptism for the dead. When we took our break, I mentioned that among others, besides Latter-day Saints who believe in this practice, were Christer Stendhal, who was the head of the Lutheran Church and taught at Harvard Divinity School, and for a while was dean of the Harvard Divinity School, who was an expert on the writings of Paul. And because of that, he believed that Paul, well, he, he knew that Paul's statement demonstrated the, that the early Christians had baptism for the dead, just as Latter-day Saints do. The LDS practice, our practice, is fascinating. The origin of it, or at least the first time it was made public, was in August of 1840. Joseph Smith was giving a funeral sermon for a man named Seymour Brunson, who had passed away. And during the address, he noticed a widow who had lost a son, and the son had not been baptized. He described the ordinance of baptism for the dead, on behalf of the dead, and called the principle, quote, glad tidings of great joy, close quote. And he contrasted that to what he describes as the prevailing tradition of the time, which continues to today in some denominations, that all unbaptized are damned. The first baptisms after that, in modern times, were done in the Mississippi River near Nauvoo. This is even before the temple was completed. And of course, after the temple was completed, this was a place where baptisms for the dead continued. But the baptisms at the beginning were a little bit different. Some of the details had not yet been uh, requested or received by Joseph Smith. Men could be baptized for women back then and women for men, and it, it, it was not as specific as it is now. Now we have it very clear and very concisely set out that those who are being baptized are being done, uh, are being baptized by immersion for and on behalf of the deceased person. There must be witnesses to be present, according to Doctrine and Covenants section 128, verses 3 and 8. We now have the uh, practice that women are to be baptized for women and men are to be baptized for men. Not only baptisms, but confirmations and higher temple ordinances may also be performed by proxy. If you'd like a little more information about the origins of that, take a look at teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, starting on page 362. The law of agency is inviolate in this world and in the world to come, 
And what this means is that the person for whom proxy baptism or other ordinances happen have the right to accept or reject them. That is quite fascinating, but it's really, really important because we believe as Latter-day Saints, that people are free to accept or reject them, it's appropriate in our eyes to have anyone who might possibly accept them in the next life to have their temple ordinances, including proxy baptism, performed on their behalf. And so it has been done for the founding fathers of the United States for a number of of the U.S. presidents, for most but not all of the Catholic popes, for John Wesley, for Christopher Columbus, interestingly enough, for Adolf Hitler, for Joan of Arc, for Genghis Khan, Joseph Stalin, and Gautama Buddha, the original Buddha. There have been a number of people who are a little less high-profile, who have also had their baptismal ordinances done, Anne Frank, one of the Holocaust victims, would be included in that. However, the church has requested that people do not submit the names of people who might be controversial, and especially Jewish Holocaust victims. The reason for that is because there have been people amongst the Jewish community have who have requested that the church not do that. And as a result, in my opinion, quite sadly, uh, the names of hundreds of thousands of people who were who had received proxy baptism, who who were Jewish, have been removed from church records. I, I've always found that curious because if you didn't believe that this was efficacious or true, why would you care? And obviously, these are people who don't believe in the LDS Church. But be that as it may, the Church has always requested their requests. There have been much, much earlier famous Jewish individuals who have been subject to vicarious baptism, including Maimonides, Albert Einstein, and more recently, Irving Berlin. Elder D. Todd Christofferson told the New York Times that the church expends massive amounts of resources attempting to purge improperly submitted names, but it's not feasible to expect the church to find each and every last one, and that an agreement which the church reached in 1995 with some Jewish groups did not place this kind of responsibility on the church leadership. So that's kind of where things stand today. There are a few other small denominations that actually perform uh, vicarious baptisms for the dead. You might think the community of Christ would be one, but it is not. That has never officially been sanctioned. There is a group called the New Apostolic Church and the Reformed Old Apostolic Church that also practice vicarious baptisms for the dead. This is a fascinating subject and one that, to me, demonstrates the genuine reality 
of the restored gospel. Join me again next week. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today.